Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. Let's start off with show notes as per usual. We've got our evening with medium events coming up on August 24th, which we've been sold out for months. So thank you again to everyone. And we have our evening with medium events on December 14th as well. We've still got very few tickets left. That's available on the website by sarlo.com. If you're looking for a shorter version of Coffee with the Sarlows, where we get right to the point in 10 easy minutes, then the podcast show Sips of Sanity is for you. They are on the website by sarlo.com and they're found at the beginning of every month, Monday to Friday, and there are five mini shows. And last but not least, we have gift certificates available as well as personal sessions. They can be purchased and experienced from anywhere in the world. So I wanted to start today's show by talking about a life coaching client that I've been seeing for a couple weeks now. And she's here to work on her relationship. And what's come to light in the past couple weeks is the amount of temper tantrums that are happening in the relationship. Is this with a one partner, Kelly? You don't mean relationship like with her parents? You mean... Yeah, her, correct. Her, her significant other. Okay. So what's come to light is that he wants total control in the relationship. And he's illustrating the kind of control that he wants by controlling her financially, telling her what she can and can't purchase, even though she makes her own money, has her own separate account, knows how to make decisions and budget. She's a full-blown adult. And he puts her down when she wants to make her own purchases, talks about why it doesn't make sense, why it's useless, why it's a waste of money. And because they're trying to have a life together, as most partners do, he's saying that if you're going to come up with a budget for the two of us so that we live within our means, then anytime you spend, it's called hypocritical. Holy. But I can buy whatever I want because I make more money. Mm -hmm. But anytime you want to spend some of yours on something that will make you happy or make the home cozy, that's hypocritical. Okay. That's rough. It is very rough. That's a lot of emotional baggage to carry and a lot of confusion. Yeah. If you can't see that this is financial control, then you have a lot of confusion. Well, there's a lot of the forms of verbal abuse in there mm -hmm. that Patricia Evans talks about um, in the verbally abusive relationship. But it also sounds like she's experiencing a lot of emotional blackmail. So we could throw out emotional blackmail by Dr. Susan Forward and gaslighting her by yes. Dr. Robin Stern, yep. the gaslight effect. So is it okay with you if I'm throwing out the resources for people as Absolutely. we go through this? Yes, and I know she's an excellent listener of the podcast as well. So I know that she's the type of person to go, ooh, I want that resource. And she's just so keen to want to learn. Oh, good. Well, there's the difference. If she's keen and wants to learn, she'll end up getting out of that relationship. The end result will be to leave at some point when she educates herself why. Yeah. Why she stays. That's going to be the key. Not just why he does what he does, but why I stay. I think that's the bottom line of this. Mm -hmm. Is that people don't ask that question. No. They focus on the other person's behavior. How did it get this way? When did things change? How do I how do I fix this? How do I make it smoother for him so that I'm happy? But the focus is always on the partner, and that's whether it's male or female. Yep, and then the focus also shifts once they've asked those questions about what can I do to make things easier? What well, can I do to not trigger? Yes. 
Oh yeah, because you keep yourself in a spin. If you keep yourself focused on what they're doing and try to figure it out, they will always be able to confuse you. That is gaslighting. Yes, because you're constantly going back to engage in the conversation. And it doesn't have to be a verbal one. It can be a nonverbal one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, it has to be at some points because the abuser is always going to change up their toolkit as to what type of abuse they're going to throw at you. It has to change because as it changes, it keeps you engaged. Your engagement of just trying to figure it out keeps you so busy until your life passes you by. It's really important to hear that, that your life actually passes you by while you're engaged in doing all of this. Yeah, because the days very easily turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into, but we've been together for three years. Yeah, and then you get invested in, we've bought things together, we have kids together, we have memories together. And that partner that knows that they're engaging in all of these things with you has to give you some of those good things because they know that's what you're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. So they intentionally have the good times with you intentionally. Listen to this. They intentionally create good times with you. They ask you to go to the rock concert because they know it's a great event that you like. They ask you to do those things because this is the emotional blackmail. This is the trap. They are very aware of what they're doing when they set up fun times for you. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about crumbs. We've talked about this many times before. A rock concert, while it's a big event, may be a crumb in the relationship. And specifically, this client was talking about the fact that, you know, we've done lots of sessions about love languages and what she needs to feel full. And she is one of those people who wants them all. And I Mm -hmm. totally get that. Most people, when they're ranking those five love languages, one really is glaring and sticks out. And like myself, she wants them all. And they're all equally important. And I think that's great. So she was trying to teach him in the process of coaching that this is what she needs. What do you need? And seeing if he was going to be collaborative in this process. And what if he responded with, well, you read it to me. Right. Well, you tell me what they are and I'll answer. Yeah. Or you how do the work for me? You, you oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my God, Kelly. <laughs> you said everything that I wanted to say. Well, we're also repeating experiences that we both had. Yes. <laughs> and maybe if someone's listening to this and they hear that we're actually able laughing? to laugh about yeah. it now, because when you're in it at the moment, you are so hurt, you are so frustrated. You are so confused. I also want to add, you can also feel in control because at some point she put the sheet together for him and she read the questions for him. And there was a feeling of, I know more than you. I'm in control of this situation. So he hits one of her triggers then. That's what, that's going to be a trigger for her. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be educated. I want to know this gives me control. So they go back and forth in that dance together. Yes. And I uh, this is a perfect segue because you're talking about a back and forth dance. And the other aspect that we, that we were kind of really focusing on is the fact that he has these temper tantrums where he withholds. He exhibits a lot of the different types of verbal abuse. And she gets to a point where she's so fed up 
that she has her own temper tantrum. And it might work for, you know, half a second or an hour. And then he realizes your tantrum is gaining too much momentum, focus isn't on me anymore. I'm going to have a bigger one. So he gets angrier. His anger becomes more important than hers. And it's a test of who's going to acquiesce first. Right. And she does. Right. And that's the pattern. And then repeat. So if you don't see your own behavior in it, and you only focus on theirs, you don't see that it's a pattern. And I want to point this out because people pleasers, this is you. Mm -hmm. This is where your partner has the temper tantrum. You finally have yours. And when their anger is now bigger than yours, you swing right back into people pleasing in your guilt of I must have been the one to set this off. Yeah, and they're pretty good at confusing you that you do. And then you can be pretty good at they don't need to do that anymore. You just behave that way. So they also train you that eventually they don't have to have that last tantrum in a huge way, but you get triggered right into your people-pleasing response. So if you're not willing to see your own people-pleasing as part of the problem, you're forever going to get stuck in that with them. And that's the engagement. Mm -hmm. So we had a bigger tantrum. And then I don't know if she said later that day or maybe later that week, he was out at the grocery store and he called her to say, I'm out. Do you need anything? And she went, oh, that's so thoughtful. Crumb. Yeah. And I said, whoa, that's what partners do. That's what roommates do. That's what coworkers do. I'm going out to get a coffee. Do you want one as well? There's consideration as a bottom, you know, fundamental human quality. Right. And she's like, oh, there it is. There's the man I think I love. Right. As you said, Kelly, a crumb. Mm -hmm. But if you withhold to a severe level, the crumbs are mountains. Yes. And that can keep you in the relationship for another day, another week, another month. Mm -hmm. So you're always in this starvation mode, eh? Reminds me of people who starve themselves and then binge eat. Very cool. So you starve yourself of affection and then you binge on the tiny crumb that they give you you're the one that will sit down when you go see your girlfriends and you got to say what your partner did for you and you're so super excited about it and every all your girlfriends are sitting there looking at you like you've lost your fucking mind because it's a crumb and so they might sit there looking at you like deer in the headlight look like what the hell but you want to go on about what a great guy he is yeah, you got to hang on to that tiny knot in the end of your rope. Mm -hmm. And repeat it. I want to back up though. Wait, I want to say that and repeat it. You got to go off and you got to tell all your girlfriends and you got to repeat the story to your mother. You got to repeat the one little crumb to everybody. It's important to hear that. You have to repeat it in your mind because it's what you hold on to through the abuse. If you dropped the crumb and didn't have that, you'd feel your own discomfort. You'd really feel deeply the rejection that they're actually throwing upon you every day. But as you focus on the crumb repetitively, you're the one that ignores it. You have to stop your own behavior there. I want to come back though to your example of binge eating and starving because okay. that is literally what some people do in their relationships and they don't know why they have a poor relationship with food. Oh, okay. 
if I can't have control in my relationship, if I can't confront the fact that I'm not in a healthy relationship, I will control what I eat and when I eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And perhaps if I'm starving in the relationship, I'll overeat. Or vice versa. Okay. You don't treat me well, I won't eat. Oh, right. Because, oh my God, it Kelly, very true. In so many ways. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, you get stuck in, a, in so many cycles at that point, eh? And then if you try to undo one, it's like they all have to unravel at the same time. And then you're terrified that you're just going to die. Yeah, because if I don't have the tools to even do just one of them and everything's going to unravel, now what? Right. And I guess, too, at the bottom of that, I'm either going to die or I'm going to be alone. And if I'm alone, I might as well die. So you go down to some of those very core beliefs Mm -hmm. that people are trying to avoid. Instead of saying, geez, if I'm alone, I could be happy. I could love it. And I don't hear from any person that there's a good age to be alone because I hear it in the 21 year olds that come in who are so keen on finding their partner that Mm -hmm. they think they've failed to not found the love of their life yet at 21 absolutely okay and then you hear it all through the 20s and then it gets worse well now I'm almost 30 I don't want to start over again heaven forbid I should separate my 40s 50s I might as well ride it out until I die Or he dies. How many people who book appointments and come in and say, I want to know when my wife is going to die? How many times? I mean, you and I both get that. I want to know when my partner's going to die, male or female. I've put in 20 or 30 years here. There's a pension. There's benefits. There's a house. There's a mortgage. I'm not giving this up to another another person. They're not going to get my money. And what we're saying at the end of the day is that you yourself need the tools. Yeah. To know that at any age, you could be over the moon happy to be on your own. Yeah. To make your own choices, to be able to think clearly, to enjoy each morning or each evening that you pull into your driveway or pull out. I can say I know that. I know. Very deeply what you're talking about, about being really happy single, about being really happy with your own thinking, with your own reality. But that it comes when you risk something. There has to be some risk of loss in there. That's part of living. That's what forest fires do. They take things right down. That's calcination in alchemical healing. Loss. We have to be able to fight and go through loss. We have to be able to grow in loss. Figure out who we are, what we like, what we don't like. And I think that's one of the things people fear when they say, geez, I'm three years into this relationship. I've got to stay. And it's like three years in. Okay. What if you're 30 years in and you've got 40 more years of life ahead of you? You might not even be at the halfway point at 30. Yeah. The bottom line is we always have options. And we always have the choice to see things from a different perspective. Well, I love that, Kelly, because it's something that we get to do in these sessions is we actually get to go into the person's soul contract then and bring out the other choices and that's where we'll hear the spirit world say things like there's a period of time of being single where there's joy or there's going to be a career change in it or a city change where she's going this person's going to meet a new person 
or a new type of career, or the one that they're in is going to explode for them finally, or that business that they wanted is finally going to take off when the relationship that's energetically hemorrhaging them out is cut out of their life and they get back their energy so that they can actually put that healthy energy into their own life. Yeah. And so you're talking about what channeling can do for them when they're trying to get through or find resources for themselves to actually leave. Yeah. To be on their own. And very similarly, because I know, Mom, you essentially have your psych degree anyway, just not on paper. Life coaching does the same, Mm -hmm. where we sit down and at a very individual pace, so it can go as slow or as fast as you need. We talk about the new routines that you want to set. We reflect on maybe some of the routines that you loved that you had before you got into a relationship and forgot yourself. And we make it safe for you to be on your own. We make it enjoyable. Yeah, because sometimes they'll, the guides will even bring up things like new hobbies mm-hmm. that they've had from past lives that if they went back into or tried to figure out in a current lifetime in this life that they could use as a career to make money that they may just do to meet new people. It may be the link to social life that they may be lacking in their personal relationship. Yeah, there's, like I said, there's so many options and so many different opportunities to see a better perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, can we shift into workplace? Mm-hmm. Because we've been talking about temper tantrums and relationships and some of the biggest relationships we have is with our coworkers. Yeah. And... We wanted to talk about the importance of being safe in your workplace. Yeah, because if someone's having temper tantrums as part of their personality, or they think it is, it's not a personality. It's, it's, a, it's a verbally abusive tactic to gain control over your coworkers. Yes. It's not your personality to say, I'm upset, so I'm okay to treat other people badly. Mm-hmm. That is not permissible. And you can't blame it on the full moon. No, you can't blame it on your period. You can't blame it on your divorce or a death in the family. You can't blame it on a mental health situation because if you have mental health situations, then get your ass into therapy. And if you're not in therapy with somebody who's able to help you by giving you a toolkit to deal with your temper tantrums, then you're just using that as your excuse. To be mean. That's right to control other people. That's what it's all about. Ultimately, is that you have an issue where you need to control everyone. And chances are, if you're doing it in one aspect of your life, you're doing it in many. And if you think you're not, then this is a wake up call. Yes, because oftentimes, and this is going to sound a little weird, we are safer to have the tantrums in our personal relationships, because we don't see that we're going to be fired from them. But in a job situation, we have the threat of losing our livelihood, which means we might also lose our relationship at home. Mm -hmm. The workplace is usually one of the last places we take our tantrum to because someone actually holds a position where they are responsible to haul our ass into their office and say that's enough. Mm -hmm. There's responsibility. Yeah, someone's going to hold you accountable with a consequence versus the home situation where if you now know the person's pattern and know they're not holding you accountable and there are no consequences, they can get away with it for decades, life a lifetime. Boy, that's got to be exhausting, Kelly, 
to literally go through your life having temper tantrums to get your way all the time or to control others or to critically put them down. Well, and the bottom line is that the person throwing the temper tantrum never feels safe. Mm -hmm. It's the child with no boundaries from the parents, no rules that they have to follow. So everything's just a yes, and you can fall into a lot of danger when no one says no to you. Mm -hmm. So the person that's throwing the temper tantrum, thinking that they're the one in control, controlling everyone else around them, actually never feels safe because they know deep down nobody likes them, nobody trusts them, and that even if other people are being nice to them, they know it's false. Well, now think about that back in the relationship with your spouse or the person you're living with. And that's why we've always said, when you're a people pleaser, you don't create safety. If you are married to someone who's a people pleaser, you are not safe in your relationship. I figured that out. I figured that out in my own life. About not truly being safe in my own relationships because of my own behavior as a people pleaser. That That's important to finally be able to recognize it in your own self. It allows you then to be accountable to yourself and to make change. Until you get to that point, you're still finger pointing. So we've decided that we're going to end the podcast there. We know it's a shorter one considering it's copy with the Sarlos, but we also think that this is a podcast where you're going to be overloaded with information, whether you're the abuser or the person being abused. I personally hope that they re-listen to it again. Yes. So that they can actually go back and catch themselves. Am I the one that has the temper tantrums? Am I the one that puts the other person down? And regardless, if you're in this type of relationship and this is resonating with you, you are somewhere in that infinity loop. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping, Kelly, that if this is a work environment and you're a boss and you're seeing people go through this, you're the manager or HR or whatever it is, you're the owner, whatever it is. I hope that if you're listening to this and you you know this is what's happening between some of your employees, then I hope you read these books and get the toolkit to take care of this because you are not creating a healthy environment for your own employees. No, and you're the ostrich with your head in the sand. Yeah. And you will lose your best employees. They will not stand for that. People who have integrity will not stick around and be bullied overtly or covertly by the manager or boss who won't do anything about it. Perfectly said, because that's a form of abuse as well. It's, it's permissible. That's right. Let's throw out for people a whole bunch of resources now at the end of the show that they can find somehow, either in written form, if that's how you learn, or podcast form, audiobooks, appointments, by calling up some of these authors or with Kelly and I. So whichever way you enjoy learning the best, identify it, and then go after your resources. No more sitting on your ass as a victim or the person who's allowing these things to go on underneath you. So let's list it. First and foremost, Patricia Evans, The Verbally Abusive Relationship, so that you can identify exactly what you're being attacked with or how you are acquiescing in the withholding. Beverly Angel. The nice girl syndrome for those people who are caught in the pattern of being the fixer or the passive one who's people pleasing. Dr. Susan Forward, toxic parents or toxic in-laws if this is a relationship with parental figures. 
How about her book, Emotional Blackmail too, Kelly? Heck yeah. So people can understand that what is actually happening in these relationships is blackmail. And that's what keeps you in the relationship. Coping with Infuriating Mean Critical People by Nina Brown. Awesome book for people to figure out how to deal with these people. Whether you're supposed to stay, at what point you can, how you cope if you're staying, and at what point you have to get out for your own health. Sips of Sanity that we mentioned at the beginning of this, where you can go through and find any number of topics on emotional intelligence, communication skills, so that if you are trying them out yourself and implementing, you're going to see immediately if this partner is engaging and collaborating or is blocking you. The Gaslight Effect, Dr. Robin Stern, so that you can see if your boss is gaslighting you. Where you approach a boss and say you have a problem with an employee and they say, I don't see a problem. Maybe you have the problem. Maybe you should deal with it because the boss knows there's a problem and can't deal with it themselves. That's gaslighting you. I think that's great. That's a good list that people can start with or spend the next year digging into. Good. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend.